Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, how to innovate beauty communication. We are going to revisit a live talk from SIF, Copenhagen International Fashion Fairs, that we held earlier this year. The need for change in the beauty industry exists on many levels for brands. Efforts around sustainability, diversity and innovation comes down to communication. In this talk, we'll hear from Molly Rodberg, Head of New Markets and Relations at Mantle, Esteban Villanueva, Beauty Writer and Nordic Beauty Director at Spalk PR, and Louise Rindnygård, Sustainability Specialist at Rudolf Care. This trio will share insights on how to challenge the conversation about beauty, the consequences of the so-called commercial hand of God, and the road to create a more innovative beauty communication. My name is Conrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here at the Scandinavian Mind headquarters with my colleague Johan Magnusson, our Senior Editor and the one moderating this talk that we're about to listen to. How yeah, are you, Johan? the moderating debut. Yeah, I'm good. And you? I'm, I'm good. I feel like I'm uh, playing uh, second fiddle here. Uh, usually I'm the one moderating, but I'm so happy that you were able to... to um, not step in in my place, but actually step up to the plate and <laughs> and do this uh, uh, beauty innovation talks down in Copenhagen uh, back in August. Yeah, I had an amazing time, and I could uh, get used to this. It was a great atmosphere. It was a full house in front of uh, the panel when we when we hosted it, and um, yeah, it feels so long ago. Uh, this edition of SIF taking place in August, but of course we, we spend a lot of time uh, at uh, the beauty section, visiting leading um, Scandinavian uh, beauty brands, uh, and also, yeah, we gathered a lot of insights as mentioned in previous episodes, mm. and uh, look, really looking forward uh, already, already now here, of beauty brands uh, g- going to be involved in the next uh, coming issue, the uh, issue of SIFT uh, in, in the forthcom- forthcoming winter, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, subscribers to our newsletter, Beauty Innovation, have already, uh, you know, gotten access to many of Yuan's uh, sort of insights and observations down at down at SIF. How, how, how would you describe the um, temperature in the audience during uh, the, the talk and, and also generally at, at the fair? I mean, we certainly see uh, an increased interest in the, the topics that we talk about, the new technologies, sustainability, and so forth. But what was it like hosting the event? And, and w- w- how do you, would you describe the interest level? Of course, it was quite special given that the topic was re- related to beauty, even though uh, beauty uh, apparently, uh, provably, is an increasing focus for SIF. But mm. at the end of the day, it's a fashion fair, you know. Uh, with which also now includes beauty so we were super happy to be uh, invited and in general a great atmosphere at the fair and during our event uh, a lot of interest because obviously these topics as you mentioned they um, they are um, relevant for all of the creative sectors so it's not uh, it doesn't come down to only beauty but uh, how to handle communication is of course relevant also for a fashion audience Right, right. Now, super excited of sharing this conversation from SIF. But before we go on, we are hosting our one, two, three, third Beauty Innovation Talks um, uh, soon in Stockholm. 
just realized I've been promoting the the upcoming Stockholm event as our second beauty innovation talks, but we actually I uh, did a beauty innovation talks at SIF in January as well, so which also can be listened to in 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 back in this feed. Um, super excited about uh, first time we we stepped down in Stockholm. Uh, we're going to be here at our headquarters at Grevturegatan uh, 30 in Stockholm. Uh, so. Uh, subscribers to our uh, beauty insights newsletter beauty innovation will get that uh, invite it's on october 25 uh, we're going to share all the interesting speakers and topics uh, that we're going to cover uh, uh, next week we're going to go live with the with the program so subscribe to beauty innovation visit scandinavianmind.com slash beauty innovation you are you excited about the upcoming event yeah definitely uh, I wonder if I'm gonna be the moderator or you. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll do a cage fight about that. <laughs> but uh, I know for sure that I'm gonna grill you about uh, insights. Uh, we're gonna do a, a a version of our state of beauty innovation uh, trend report or or insights like forecast that we do. Um, that's gonna be really exciting. Any any uh, teasers on that one? Any any topics that we are gonna talk about? In order to hear more about that, uh, you need to come to the event or listen to forthcoming episodes of this podcast. Oh, fair enough. All right. So uh, just enough to say that my weekly editor's letter observation also goes out every Tuesday. You can sign up uh, to that by clicking on uh, one of my columns at scanlandremind.com. Uh, of course, little plug for that. So now here is you once conversation with Molly Rodberg, Esteban Villanueva and Luis Rin Newgord from SIF earlier this year. Enjoy. I want to start with you, Esteban. We, we had a conversation beforehand, and I will read through, uh, through the paper here because it's, it's a bit advanced, but uh, it's, it's quite interesting. I use a lot of big words. <laughs> you hail for gender and sexuality inclusion and equality in beauty. beauty in order to modernize beauty as an industry and make it as accessible and relatable as possible. Can you explain? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you guys as well. For me, and this is one of those things that if it's taken out of context, I can be canceled, so please don't chop this up. Um, when we talk about gender and sexuality inclusivity, we're talking about it from a communications perspective. This is what the end consumer is going to see. And when we talk about this, what we mean is the final message that we're portraying, the final campaigns that we're shooting, it's we are lacking communication that showcases a different spectrum of how much beauty can be attainable. We have communication that showcases beauty for the traditional consumer. And sometimes when we look especially at men's beauty, we find that when we look at these amazing drag queens, makeup artists that do amazing makeup on their people, do amazing makeup on themselves, but we're lacking seeing the normal guy that just wants to go to work in the morning looking fresh. We lack the normal father that just wants to brush his eyebrows because nobody ever told him he can trim them. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a whole spectrum and there's going to be people that look stunning with a lot of makeup on. There's going to be people that look stunning with no makeup on and just skincare. But we also need to communicate everything in between. And that to me is the inclusivity that we're lacking. It's not just the two ends of the spectrum. We need to showcase the whole range of the rainbow, if you want to call it that. Let's head over to you, Molly. Um, you're representing Mantle here, and you've launched two or three years ago, depending on how you count. With COVID, <laughs> yes. And ever since launching, uh, when it comes to communication, you, you, you put a lot of focus on uh, challenging it. 
and also going away from what you describe as fear-based communication. Mm -hmm. what, what can you share, share here? Lessons learned from it and uh, yeah. how those years have been? No, uh, in a short time frame, actually, uh, we've, we've experienced a lot of gratitude and um, appreciation towards the way that we're communicating to our to the world to our community and in such a short amount of time we were able to create a quite engaged community um, which for us makes such a difference as a young brand to get that kind of feedback early on to help us grow to help us develop products as such so um, it, it's been super positive also like from on the flip side it's been challenging because if you look at our brand like we play in a certain price point, so we are in that premium sector, and um, many of our competitors have a very different style and, and kind of traditional way of communicating. So in some markets we're finding as we grow, the consumer isn't used to such a tone of voice, such a difference in words. Um, so it doesn't come without challenges, but um, what we're finding is it's, you know, we, we believe in exactly you know, the path we're on and um, the, the level of appreciation has been fantastic so far. I think yeah. we'll get back to yeah. uh, the challenges because you both represent yeah. fast-growing brands and it mm. can be challenging. Louis, welcome. Um, Thank you. From Ru for Rudolf, the founder, the Danish beauty princess. <laughs> Quite a fascinating uh, story, the, the founder story. What, what can you share? Yeah, so Rudolf Care was founded uh, after the notion of participating in a Greenpeace study back in 2006, where our beauty princess was pregnant, and uh, she's already always lived a healthy lifestyle. She's always done a lot of sports and cared deeply for her body. And so she was feeling that she was going to crush this. It was a study about the chemicals in her bloodstream. And what they found is that she was the youngest participant, but had by far the most amount of uh, endocrine disruptors, forever toxic chemicals, and other foreign chemicals in her body. And at the time, she was pregnant, and uh, she was only uh, recommended to breastfeed for six months due to the fact that that is one of the only ways to actually pass on some of the harmful substances in your blood onto your children. And so she uh, decided to... Uh, they, uh, they backtraced all these chemicals to primarily be from her skincare routines, which she, she loved luxury brands. And so she... Uh, she decided to go on a journey in order to found herself a responsible skincare company that could uh, provide that niche market of being luxurious, effectful, while being responsible in terms of the way that we utilize natural resources, the way we do packaging, and the overall aesthetic of the brand. The co communication overall, so Over to say. The communication overall. Yeah. Okay, Esteban, um, if you look at you're very out and about. You keep track on things. Let, let's put it that way. <laughs> yes, I stalk everybody. That's, that, that, that's what we're trying to say. Another way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> uh, w when you look from your angle, you, you have a background as a, a beauty editor. You now work in PR, back in PR. Um, can, can you share any inspiring uh, marketing campaigns that, that you've uh, followed or caught up on recently or in the 90s? We have a huge 90s wave, wave now, but... I, I thought about this question a bit, and well, first of all, I love 
the campaigns that you guys do. Manso is always so provocative with their campaigns to a point where I was like, oh, wow, hello. <laughs> and Rudolf Kerr as well. Like, I love Andrea. This story is amazing. But when it comes to inspiring campaigns, I will always go back to Milk Cosmetics or Milk Makeup. Milk was founded approximately 10 years ago. Don't quote me on this. But I was in college back then. Uh, no, I was in high school, maybe. And they had this campaign where they were launching a new type of product. And Milk has this type of formulation that it's not skincare, it's not makeup, it's a little bit of both. People didn't really know what they were. And they had these 20 to 30 second reels, before a reel was a reel, that showcased different type of people. You had, of course, the white blonde girl that everybody had in every campaign back then. But you had the skinhead. You had the um, extravagant girly with the thousands of hair clips. You had the business guy looking into how to use the oil. And they had like, these really fun interactive situations. And for me, it was the first time that I saw something different in a campaign. It was the first time that I saw myself in a campaign in a way that I was like, that, that is me. That's and I feel that I want to use this product. I was living in Costa Rica at the time, I'm half Costa Rica, and milk was not available there. I begged my parents, please, can we go buy this? Because it talked to me in a way that no other beauty brand had talked to me before. And to me, at the end of the day, that is what comes back to inclusivity. It's about reaching the end consumer and making them feel part of the campaign. We will never be able to include everybody as much as we want. It's never going to happen. However, the more we try, the better the efforts will be. And maybe one brand won't be able to do it, but two, three, four, five, a hundred brands eventually will reach a hundred types of people. Yeah. I was about to ask, you haven't experienced the same ever since. I've been really happily surprised along the way. Mantle? For example, Mantle, of course, <laughs> Rudolf Kerr, ex Lash in Sweden as well. They yeah. had boys in their campaign, I was like stunning. I am. Shout out to Dior as well. I walked into NK the other day. There was a guy in a huge pamphlet wearing the new lip gloss. And I was like, that, that is nice. Mm. That in Sweden, in a luxury department store, Olians or NK, don't quote me there either. I was like, I, I stopped and I was really happy because it showcases a little bit. I was the first male beauty editor Vogue ever had worldwide. It took them 130 years to hire a guy for the job. And it took them even more for me to start seeing myself in the campaigns. So being able to just walk around, see the beauty panels here at SIF as well, to see guys in the campaigns, I know some are coming. I won't spoil the details on those brands. But it's nice to see how boys are being included. And it's not just boys. It's gender fluidity people. It's non-binary people. It's every type of people that we want to see. Yeah. I think just on that point as well with Mantle, like coming in, uh, being American and coming to Sweden, I always had this um, impression that, you know, I'm, well, from, for years that, you know, the Swedish brand, it's that blonde, beautiful girl. And Mantle was so refreshing. I really wasn't, like, admittedly a beauty person. I, I don't use much makeup. I, I care about brands. I care about their stories. I, I'm, I'm an interested marketeer. However, like, with Mantle, I found it so refreshing, the fact that they are using, you know, representing Sweden, but in all shapes and forms, um, we... It, we, we do not, you know, when we, when we talk to casting agents, it's literally about, um, we, there are no filters, we, we shoot the hair on a woman's arm, we, um, we even had a situation where the agent called on the day of the shoot and just said, so sorry, she's, um, her skin is problematic, and we're like, yes, excellent, bring her. Like, and, and so it's so refreshing to, uh, to have a brand that actually... Um, isn't covering up and try, striving for perfection and such. And 
if I'm not mistaken, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, you, you even talk about like introducing a new dialogue around beauty. We have, yes. Can, can, what, yeah. what is it? So, I mean, we're, I mean, it's evolving, obviously, but, um, you know, the first point is like just looking at the word aging and anti-aging and how so often anti-aging is used within beauty brands and like, you know, questioning it. We all age. Like, who, who doesn't age? So why create this fear-based, this kind of shaming um, around aging when this is something that's inevitable? We all do it, so let's celebrate it. And so you'll see in a lot of Mansell's communication, it's about elevating yourself, elevating the feeling. When you feel good, you look good. You, and, and, and it's like lines, we all have lines. Some may choose to eliminate them, you know, cover them. But uh, when you have healthy skin, a glow, the bounce, that, um, that comes to the forefront. And the lines or whether it's uneven pigmentation goes to the background. So it's, it's really uh, for us that anti-aging anti um, uh, angle that uh, why, why fear it? Just to jump on that real quick. I used to have this phrase that I say, that's just be pretty. Mm -hmm. And I say it all the time. I have it printed in my computer. And one day somebody stopped me. They was like, that's so rude to say. How can you tell me just to be pretty? And I was like, no, think about it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You decide to be pretty. There is no standard that you need to abide for when you're deciding to be pretty, whether that is with a full face of makeup, whether that is with no makeup at all. It's a choice. It's a choice to be pretty. And I think that the fact that brands are starting to communicate that now even more is what allows the end consumer to feel pretty no matter how they look like. Mm. Because it's okay to have wrinkles because it's okay to have pimples as long as you feel pretty. And that is a choice that you take. Mm. Just be pretty. Mm. Awesome. I really like that. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, it's fun that they're, they're, they're taking ownership of beauty as a word as well as redefining it. Because uh, we've been talking a lot internally about like how we've uh, gone from being a healthcare brand into a beauty brand and then finding our way back into the healthcare setting as well, which speaks to the fact that when you feel good, you look good. Exactly. I really think. Exactly. Exactly. And, and for you, um, we see like a power shift here. And I speak about education. Um, because you mentioned uh, before that as a brand, y you consider that you have a lot to learn from your customers. Am I right? Can you explain? For sure, because yeah. It, I, I up until now, it's regard, been the like, opposite, I think, <laughs> mainly, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that um, there's so much, uh, whether you're speaking uh, communications or sustainability or inclusion, that you have to understand, like, what is the given context of the customer that you're facing. And so to believe that you can reach all of your customers by doing the same thing over and over again is... is it's pretty uh, short-sighted. And so, you know, the more that you can include your customers and voice their opinions in, and have them influence your own value as well as how you communicate and stuff like that, uh, the more resilient you become. Um, my background is, is primarily sustainability, and so I can, uh, I can speak primarily to those, but we're trying to do a stakeholder engagement in order to make sure that we actually align with what, is our, what does our communities want, what do our customers want, and make sure that all these contribute to a common goal that will that will actually help shape the way that we that we move forward in both communication sustainability and overall it's yeah. a new conversation yeah it's a new conversation yeah. Yeah. and what you 
two brands, uh, the, the brands that you represent. Of course, you talk a lot about female empowerment. It's a, it's a buzzword, mm -hmm. finally. But uh, how do you use it in your in your communication? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I can. <laughs> I can continue. Um, I don't know if we use the uh, the term of female empowerment. I think we more so try to shed light about some of the um, some of the things about being a woman, whether it's whether it's gender identity or some of the some of the things that the uh, the motherhood also brings along. You know, post birth complications which are not voiced enough. Um, menopause and stuff like that and trying to what would you say normalize some of the conversations that are hard to have and uh, so i don't know if i can uh, exactly speak to the um to the female empowerment but we can talk about like the normalization and communications regarding the 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 um the um periods that the uh that the, the, that, the that the physiological body undergoes yeah. especially mm -hmm. post-birth yeah yeah, no, it's um, and you know, I hope one day we don't have to really focus on female empowerment, and that all things will become equal. And and this is, this is uh, the reality of of the the time we live in. And so it's wonderful that there's a focus here. And um, at Mansell, we are female founded and uh, mostly female uh, led. And um, <laughs> there's a lot of girl power. <laughs> you yeah. feel me? I feel you. you. Feel me? <laughs> okay. 94% girls. <laughs> You are that statistic. I am. Yeah, I am. You are that other side. <laughs> no, um, but uh, you know, for us, it's uh, it's talking. You know, going back to what we were discussing, it's like Sorry. looking at our skin, like skin with experience. So we're just trying to like shift the uh, the 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 terminology and the focus and the attitude towards um, our messaging, our aging process. We're having fun, like it's all so serious. And especially we're a results driven, we're an advanced skincare company. So many of our competitors are really going down the medical path, the um, using uh, like molecular terms, like really, you know, very much harnessed on that medical community, which ultimate, ultimately, like for many consumers, um, equates to trust. So here we are at Mantle, and we're, 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 we're commanding the same kind of technology. We're just not talking about it in that same scientific context, um, which for some maybe doesn't equate to like we're a serious skincare business. But we're doing, we're using all the same ingredients. We have a chemist, we have a lab, and we're investing in the quality um, and you know the you know the advanced formulations. But we're choosing not to focus too much on that. But we're choosing to focus on the feeling you get when you use Mantle and the community that surrounds Mantle. And um, for that, like, it, 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 it instills like power, empowerment. And um, you know, if you ever follow our Instagram, you'll see the, uh, the engagement. And we're still such a small player. And we're, 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 you know, we're, not in, we're in a few markets. Um, but um, harnessing that kind of like, love and passion is, um, is really helpful in this brand journey. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, ever growing. What's your view on the communicating female empowerment? I mean, I think I also now work, like both my companies in Scandinavia have been female led. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, I believe we should just strive to a point where everybody has power within the house. 
Like, it's amazing to work with him. brands such as like Rudolf Caramanta. Like, I personally know Andrea. She is one of my biggest inspirations. I say that she's the heart of the Danish um, beauty industry because she really is. She powers with the pure love how the mantle works, Tine and Josefina as well at Mantle. I think that female empowerment has been a buzzword at the same time. I think that communications has um, unfortunately tainted what it means. We love to throw words around. We love to say it's green, it's sustainable, it's healthy, it's clean. clean. What is clean? What is sustainable? What is organic even more? Mm. Like my father, he's a, he's a genetist. He hates the whole like organic talk because he's like that cannot be organic because chemically speaking it does not contain carbon and I was like fine yeah D don't don't fight with me yeah. like I'm yeah. just here um, I think as well and I want to go back to a point you said that it's about finding how to talk to the consumer um, I have the pleasure of working with a lot of international brands because you both represent local brands I have the other way around where I need to translate American I need to translate French I need to translate Italian to Scandinavian And I think I'm jumping a little bit forward. I hope that's fine. But we're, t we're talking about these amazing, incredible corporations coming inside and expecting that you can talk to Scandinavians the same way you can talk to Americans or you can talk to French people. And whilst we're in a time and space where globalization is one of the biggest hot topics and everybody is the same and we're connected, my best friend is in America, my boyfriend is in Asia, beauty is a geolocated matter. And it will always be, at least in my opinion. Of course, we can follow trends, we can follow global movements and global waves. But at the end of the day, the background of the person you're talking to will always be dictated by where they grew up with. How was their culture? What is the reasoning behind them? And that also changes how we talk about them. Like, I would like to think that female empowerment in Scandinavia is something much more intrinsically embedded in the culture than it is in America. Or even more in Latin America, where my parents are from. Like, thankfully, I don't think that much about it here because it's really well woven into the culture. Whereas in America, sometimes I need to stop myself and think, okay, wait, I forgot to say that we're female-founded. I forgot to say that we're female-led. Because here, it, we don't need to say it because it it's intrinsically, it just is. It just is. Yeah. Like, it's just this. Yeah. And speaking of different markets, I mentioned before, I think it's very fascinating. When I'm interviewing industry executives, I always tend to ask a certain question. And it's about being a global brand. You're both fast-growing brands. And different markets, they are... Yeah, in Scandinavia, we're quite mature. We're, we, we have great knowledge. While in other markets, it might be the opposite. It, it's got to be really challenging because you only have one Instagram account. How, how do you handle it? Yeah. Well, you know, for us, uh, the big point for us is we are a CBD brand. So CBD is still like... A hot topic. It's often misunderstood. We are we are riding a wave of you know regulatory unlocking. So it's all kind of happening in the moment. So um, there's a big education piece to do around CBD, especially dependent on the market. Uh, Sweden really took to mantle very easily in terms of um, the CBD and um, and the combination of actives and botanicals with CBD. Uh, take the UK, for instance. Uh, we haven't been there long, but it's um, they're more conservative. And there is, they got, it's like CBD had a moment several years back, much more so in the ingestible uh, uh, way. Um, and then they got a little bit tired of it. 
but what happened was there, you know, there was such a um, mishmash of CBD in the market and the quality. Uh, how do you measure quality? So. Therefore, it was a bit tired, you know, in that sense of people are like, oh, you're a CBD brand. But like, yes, no, we are. Our CBD comes from Switzerland. It's the highest, um, strin most stringent credentials in terms of growing, uh, hand picking and such. So um, we, we have to work harder in certain markets with CBD. And, um, you know, CBD is just a part of our formulation. Um, so it's not the main story either. Um, but as, you know, as opposed to, so there's an education piece, but also there's, um, we are a cheeky brand. And um, as some of you may know, we are for the face, we're for the body, and we're also, uh, we have an intimate range called the Pussy Collection. Well, the Pussy Collection is like, you know, take France, for instance, we launched with Le Bon Marché in February, and they're like, give it to us, lead with, Le, you know, so we were in outdoors and everything, and it was just all over. You could never do that in the UK uh, or other markets. And I mean, in fact, I had a um, event, a breakfast event, and I was talking about the Pussy Collection to, you know, this girl who's a great friend of mine. And she's like, oh, do you do a range for cats? Like, no, <laughs> we do not. But that's kind of funny. So, you know, this is uh, so, you know, fortunately. Communication. Yeah, communication at marketing. its finest. <laughs> marketing. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, that is. <laughs> and I think you said a really, really interesting word, fun. Like fun is just such an important feature for your anything, just to mobilize people and actually make them feel and make, make it easy to, to make transitions. If you make it fun, then it's easy to do. Um, in terms of like what we choose to communicate, where, whether whichever market we're facing, it, it's like our core story, like what is of care in a nutshell, our core certifications, the customers organic, uh, which relates to the ecosystem health and the naturalness of the products more so than the, uh, the content of carbon, hydrogen and oxygen. Um, and then the uh, Nordic Swan Eco label, which is very prominent here in the, uh, the northern part of Europe. But once we transition and just look a little bit about, uh, beyond our borders, there's a, there's a real education piece to understanding what, it, what does that actually mean and then you have to shift the focus from what is the active ingredients from your product, what are the formulation aspects, what do they actually do, and then transition into what does this certification actually means, mean for your product. And depending on you know, the context of the country, some rely heavily on, okay, they're microplastic free, but for others it might be endocrine disruptors are a big thing. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of understanding like which, which part of you know, this whole origin story should we really focus on highlighting and having key in our in our presence on any platform because certifications can be very very complicated they can you know it firsthand <laughs> i know it firsthand yeah we have a number of certifications and also we're also a b corp certified so we have like we we try and holistically certify our products in order to meet how the the naturalness of the or of the, uh, the ingredients and the growth phase and the respect for biodiversity as well as the technical performance, making sure that um, that there are no harmful substances or uh, substances that can be challenging for the uh, end environment uh, to uptake. And then on the business side, we also have the B Corp certification, which serves as a framework for how can we improve ourselves, also in the social performance, where we also. One of the few Scandinavian companies that actually has a vision beauty. It's yeah. a hard one to get, so it, it congratulations is. there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Esteban. And Esteban, you, you've also been speaking about so-called 
the commercial hand of God. I need you yes. to elaborate on this. Yeah. So, I might have come up with it if somebody has previous data on this, not purposely trying to copy anybody. But it comes from the ancient Greek stories. Okay. When the gods literally moved destiny, but they would move a bottle because they wanted to change where that bottle was positioned, but they didn't think what that movement would change outside the world. Aphrodite never thought that the biggest war in Grecian history was going to happen because she made one prince fall in love with a girl. But it happened. And the history of Greek was, of this mythology at least, was changed. When we talk about the commercial hand of God, it's the same thing with the corporations in the beauty business. We look at them and because suddenly there's a bunch of exfoliants in the world, the market shifts interest and you should, you should exfoliate and you should do it. And everybody here three years ago was exfoliating their face. And now, three years later, we all have broken barriers and now everybody's talking about barrier repair creams. But if we don't do it right, yeah. in three years, we're all gonna have clogged pores and we're gonna have to talk about detox. And then we over detox and then we're gonna have to talk about nourishment again. So the commercial hand of God is this very loose term that refers to how the market sometimes plays too much with the destiny of how things are being moving and when we talk, we talk about the fast fashion, but we don't talk about fast beauty. Like, fast fashion was a term that the fashion industry understood fairly quickly, and thankfully, at least in the Nordics, it's been changing strongly, I believe. But we don't talk about fast beauty. We don't talk about how many new products roll out. We don't talk about how many serums roll out. And it's not bad that they roll out. That is perfect. Brands need to continue developing their SKUs. But as brands we also need to be and this comes both from the PR perspective but also from the brand perspective and from the editorial perspective too responsible of how we educate the people to use these products because no matter how much you want to try a new product unless you give it 21 days you're never gonna see results your skin is not capable of showing you results as quick as you want them most of the time unless it's like a peel etc details don't matter in this case 21 days that's the rule of thumb mm -hmm. if we don't, if we're not aware of this commercial hand of God and we just let ourselves go to whatever trend is happening, oh yeah, today I want to do a full face XR peel because it's going to clean my skin completely. But then I'm not thinking that tomorrow I'm going to be itchy, red, and probably dehydrated because it's taking away the full first layer of the epidermis. But then if I do the opposite, it's, it's a complicated thing to navigate. And for brands as well, especially for the local brands, I believe that they get sucked in this whirlpool of trends. And then because people are trendy, they try to buy the trendy things, which most of the time don't match with the products that the more local brands have produced. Thus, it affects their own business development, which affects the own cycle of the whole corporation. So it is, it is an interesting thing to look. It's not that anybody's doing anything wrong. It's just that we need to be conscious that there is a market movement that we most of the time are not aware of and get sucked into this really trendy movement unless we stop and think, okay, what do I actually need? What is my skin type? What is my hair porosity? What is my reality of concerns and needs and desires as well? Time is running out. Just a, just a last quick one. What are you working on in the next um, one or two years? What, what are you curious about? Well, from a sustainability standpoint in terms of communications, um, related to your commercial hand of God and what are the impacts of, of, of moving certain things. We really want to conduct like, you know, life cycle assessments on our products as a whole and really highlight what is the actual impact of utilizing this product. 
and showing we meet these criteria for the certifications, but what do we do beyond that? And that is a topic that where I'm really looking forward to, to educating, as well as just to, just trying to see what what can we contribute? Oh, sorry, what can we achieve by doing this? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for us, it's a few things. It's growing our footprint. So expanding out of uh, Scandinavia and, and more so into Western Europe and uh, hopefully to the US and Asia. I mean, it's very much like there's a, a piece with education, you know, with CBD. So um, expanding that uh, and, you know, product development, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, some more face products and such. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's really, we're, it's feedback from our community. Um, often we produce based on their feedback. So it's a nice dialogue in that sense, so. Oh, I mean, well, I'm not producing <laughs> product. Maybe, who knows, PR perfume. Stay tuned. Um, I think for us in the PR community and the ed ed editorial community, it comes down to education. Yeah. Like, it's our responsibility, both as editors and as PRs, to educate the community. Like, you guys create amazing products, but without a proper education, people will not know what they do, yeah. why they're good at, why they want them. So I think everything comes down to education at the end of the day. It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound interesting. You go back to your school days where you were like, I don't want to learn anything more, but you actually do. We learn every day. When you ask somebody for a tip, that's education. And that's where we need to crack the code. How do we yeah. teach people yeah. without they realizing that they're actually learning? Yeah. And it's such a crowded market. I mean, that's it the is. thing too. So it's yeah. really, it's cutting through the noise and such. And yeah, for us it? It, as well, is like it continuing to spread this positive conversation around beauty, of yeah. course, that's kind of yeah. like the red thread throughout our business of uh, having fun with it and empowering women, as we were talking And about. at the end, enjoy it. Like, beauty yeah. is something that should be enjoyed. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, beauty should be done for yourself. Like, wear the makeup for you. Wear the lipstick for you. If you feel nervous about going something, slap on a red lip, slap on eyeliner, wash your skin at night and feel clean when you're going to bed. Like, if you don't enjoy it, what's the point of doing beauty? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I want to thank our panel, our loud li live audience. Thank you for coming. Uh, for the live audience, you have flyers if you want to sign up for our weekly innovation, uh, weekly insights newsletter about the beauty industry, beauty innovation. Otherwise, go and visit scandinavianmind.com/beautyinnovation. That's it. Thank you. Thank you.